The New Testament reading comes from the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. If you invoke as father, the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him, you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so let's pray together. Our gracious God, we do thank you for how you meet us in this time of worship, even as we are separate and isolated in our own way. Uh, and we thank you for the promise uh, of redemption in Christ for the hope of his resurrection. And we thank you for your word. And so we pray that you would be near to us this morning as we come to you, as we sit with your scriptures. Would you speak straight to our hearts, straight to our minds, and would you work in us that living hope that you have given us in Christ? We ask now for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, we uh, continue another week into this strange Easter season that's unlike any other that we've experienced before. You know, Easter is this great celebration of celebrations in the Christian year. It's seven weeks of feasting that's filled with alleluias and acclamations as we commemorate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, which is this event that changed the trajectory of world history uh, and whose implications change the trajectory of our lives forever. And Easter is this ultimate good news season that follows the wilderness season of Lent, which is what makes this Easter tide so strange. Because regardless of what the calendar says, uh, we are still very much in the wilderness of this pandemic and it's getting old isn't it? The Easter tide this year feels less like Alleluia and more like how long, O Lord. Many of us spend our days feeling restless and exhausted at the same time, which can be as confusing as it is uncomfortable. Most of us are feeling some degree of anxiety about the future. Many are experiencing heightened feelings of loneliness, anger, frustration, and even fear. And many of us who are parenting young kids through this, we're feeling pretty burned out right now. And then on top of all that, we've got the feelings about the feelings, don't we? We've got the guilt, the shame, the self-condemnation, all this that when we say, I shouldn't feel this way, or I shouldn't be so sick of the people I love and live with, or I shouldn't have such a short fuse, or I should be a better homeschool teacher. I should be getting more done each day. Other people have it so much worse. Why am I having such a hard time? There's this snowball effect of difficulty, of struggle that we're living with right now as the weeks slog on and the wilderness persists. Last month, uh, the Harvard Business Review published an article called That Discomfort You're Feeling is Grief. 
in which David Kessler, one of the world's leading experts on grief, explains why the act of naming our grief is so essential to our being able to move through it in a process of healing rather than getting stuck in our unnamed or even misnamed grief. We Westerners aren't so great at recognizing grief for what it is because we don't have much of a cultural or collective imagination for what to do with sadness other than to treat it as a problem that needs to be solved as quickly as possible. Right. In our culture, sadness is often seen as something that we need to medicate or stuff away or smile away or power through, because when life's mission is a pursuit of happiness, then sadness is the enemy. But of course, the vision of human flourishing that we see in the life of Jesus is so different from the modern Western vision that has shaped our cultural imagination. In Jesus, we discover a way of being human in the world that is far more beautiful, more life-giving to others, more resilient in the face of suffering, and in the end, maybe surprisingly or even ironically, more personally fulfilling as well. It's a vision and a mission that is centered not on the pursuit of personal happiness, but on the pursuit of love, the pursuit of knowing and experiencing the fullness of God's love toward us and the pursuit of sharing that love with others more fully. To help us move forward in this Easter season this year, forward through our grief and forward through this wilderness of global pandemic, we are re reading and reflecting on uh, this New Testament book of 1 Peter uh, for two reasons, really. One is that 1 Peter is a beautiful pastoral letter written to people who are suffering, written to people who are trying to make sense of their own difficult situation while also trusting God with their lives and living as, so to speak, good news people of love in a very difficult time. But secondly, we're reading 1 Peter because much of the Christian church around the world is reading and reflecting on these same texts right now. And in this season of separation and isolation, it's really helpful to remember that we are connected to a much larger communion of saints, a communion that spans not only geography, but time, as we are knit together as one with those who've gone before us, those who will come after us, and those who are in other places separated from us by distance, by walls, or by anything at all. Last week, as we began our study, we saw that Peter's grand vision uh, for this new life that we now have in Christ is this resurrection-infused life that necessarily produces change in us. It's a new life that Peter describes in terms of our being born again into a living hope and a lasting inheritance that together reframe our imagination for the future and reshape how we live in the present, even in the midst of suffering. Well, in our text today, Peter begins to unpack for us a bit more of what all is loaded into that initial grand vision of new life that we looked at last week. And this week in our text, uh, we see that Peter starts to get practical. He gives this instruction to his readers who are seeking to follow Jesus in the way of being resurrection, hope, good news people in the midst of real suffering. And he says this, you who invoke as father, the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds. Live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. Now, at first, that 
may not really sound like the words of comfort that we're looking for. Uh, that sounds a little bit like strange counsel because we hear those words uh, and to our ears, it sounds like uh, be afraid, be very afraid, right? Or you better be good for goodness sake because God is going to get you if you don't. But that is not at all what Peter is saying in this text. Peter isn't portraying God as an exacting judge who's going to make sure that you reap what you sow. Rather, he's portraying God as one who is steadfast in his fatherly care for his children and his commitment to justice, who isn't swayed by all the things that would have swayed judges in Peter's day, the prestige, the social status, the ancestry or what have you of the people standing before the judge. Peter is portraying God as one who can't be bribed or manipulated because God is just. And this just God, Peter reminds us, is our father. He's your father who cares for you as his own child. Therefore, Peter says, because God is like this, because you relate to God in this way, live with reverent fear during the time of your exile. And Peter's not saying here, be very afraid, like we've already said. He's not talking about terror or intimidation or anxious dread. Rather, the fear that Peter commends here is more about mindfulness and awe. The fear is a, a, a mindful of God, a life-reorienting awareness that God is just, that God is our Father, and that God is with us. To live with reverent fear is to be awake to the presence and power of God in our lives. And Peter says, live this way during the time of your exile. Exile is an interesting way for Peter to describe the situation of the early Christians who were suffering persecution under the tyranny of the Roman Empire. It's a word that harkens back to one of the darkest chapters of the story of God's people. When the Israelites were taken as captives into Babylon, their temple was destroyed. Their normal ways of life were completely upended. Their sense of God's goodness and faithfulness were shattered. It was a time when God's people struggled deeply with questions like, where is God in all of this? And Peter invokes this word, exile, as a metaphor by which early Christians in Rome might interpret their experience of being scattered, scared, and longing for a home and wholeness that is so obviously lacking in their present moment. This week, I heard Andy Crouch give a short talk in which he used that same word, exile, as a metaphor to help Christians today navigate faithfully and fruitfully our experience of this pandemic. Crouch talked about the gift of exile and how helpful it is that the story of God's people includes these incredibly dark chapters in which the fears, doubts, and even failures of God's people come to the forefront. And yet God's steadfast love never wavers, even during long seasons when God's presence and power remain hidden. Crouch reflects on Psalm 137, a psalm of lament that comes from this time of Israel's exile, in which the psalmist wonders aloud, how could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And Crouch says the amazing gift of exile is that you discover a very unexpected answer to that lament in Psalm 137, 
which is that you can sing the Lord's song in a foreign land, even as you have to make unthinkable adjustments. We know we are in a season right now of making major adjustments in every area of our lives, and that's really stressful for all of us. Every one of us is experiencing loss and uncertainty. Every one of us is grieving, and we need to name that grief. At the same time, our exile from all that feels normal is, in a strange way, a gift to us an opportunity to experience God's comfort and care in ways that would be otherwise impossible. How are you experiencing God's comfort and care this week? How have you been experiencing God's presence in ways that are fresh, that ways that you would not be able to experience otherwise? Another way to ask the question is, what is the coronavirus giving you that you didn't have before? even as we're very mindful of all the things it has taken away. Peter says, live with reverent fear during the time of your exile, in the sense of being fully aware of God's presence with you even now, of God's faithfulness to keep moving forward the story of his restoration of all things in Christ, and God's tender care for you as your Father, who knows you, who loves you, and who hears you. Are you talking to him? Are you aware of him? Are you awake to him? In verse 22, Peter gives a second instruction. He says, love one another deeply from the heart. And just as his instruction to live with reverent fear was rooted in this deep awareness of the character of God as our just father, Peter's instruction to love one another deeply from the heart flows from a profound understanding of what is now true of us because of how God has loved us in Christ. Peter tells us that because of Jesus, we are ransomed, purified, and reborn. Ransomed, a term that recalls Israel's experience of slavery and the price paid to liberate the enslaved. Peter says that God has paid for our liberation with the very blood of Christ shed for us, which means that you are not stuck and you are not alone, no matter how stuck or lonely you feel, because God has come for you. God is near to you and God gives you grace for today. God provides a way for you to move forward in faith, hope, and love, even in the midst of real grief and loss, because he is with you and he helps you. Ransomed, but also purified, meaning no longer defiled, made clean by Jesus. In other words, your sins and your failures don't speak most truly about who you are. Why? Because in Jesus, God speaks a new and better word over your life. You are new and made new in him ransomed and purified, but also, Peter says, we are reborn, given new life that is imbued with the very life-giving force of God himself, the one who spoke into existence the heavens and the earth, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, is also the one who now holds you, body, mind, and soul, holds you to himself, and holds you to this living hope that he has secured for you forever. You, Peter says, have been reborn into a God-filled world and a God-filled life 
even in your experience of exile. And in verse 21, he says, through Jesus, you have come to trust in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are set on God. Friends, this is good news. And Jesus frees us and calls us to live as good news Easter people, even as we name our griefs and even as we bear the real burden of real sorrows. To close, I would just like to reflect for a moment on, I don't know if any of you are watching uh, John Krasinski's uh, SGN on YouTube, the Some Good News Network. Uh, it's, it's really wonderful if you haven't seen it. John Krasinski, who's famous for his role as Jim in The Office and other roles, but he's, he's got this YouTube show where he's just talking about good news which there's a way to do this that's very escapist, right? But that's not what he's doing. He's actually choosing to feature beautiful things, stories that call our attention to heroism of those who are frontline workers or that bring these bursts of joy into people's lives. He had one girl on his show, a nine-year-old who was going to go, who wanted to go see a, a Hamilton performance, uh, but it got canceled. And so Krasinski pulled his strings and basically got this Zoom call with this girl and organized it where Lin-Manuel Miranda Zoom bombed the call. And then the whole cast of, of Hamilton Zoom bombed the call and they're singing for this girl right in her own house, her favorite number from the show. And, he, you know, just doing things like that, that, that bring eruptions of beauty and joy into the midst of a really hard moment. And I think there's a prophetic word for us in that, a prophetic demonstration for us as we think about what it looks like for us to be good news people. Not denying the grief, far from it, naming it, but at the same time choosing to call our own attention and the attention to others, of others to beauty and joy and committing ourselves to showing up in one another's lives, that we would be an embodiment of that kind of presence where the God who has leveraged all of himself to bring us life out of death calls us to leverage what we have to show up in one another's lives as we can, to be reminders that God is with us, that God loves us, that God holds our sorrows and our tears, that God is moving the story forward and that he has included us in it, that the living hope in Christ is ours today, just as it was yesterday and just as it will be tomorrow. And he's given us the freedom in Christ and the privilege and calling of being good news people, even in the midst of our exile. May God give us grace to live into that glorious calling and to know his love afresh this week. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.